Trick or treat! Hi friends, this is Petey from Petrifaction. And today is a Halloween special. I know you weren't expecting this, but it's Halloween. I have to put something out on my very favorite holiday. So, without any ado, we're going to get into today's extra special podcast. Halloween is a holiday celebrated each year on October 31st. And Halloween this year for 2021 will be on Sunday, October 31st. Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. It looks like Sam Hain, spelled in English Sam S A M. Hain, H-A-I-N, but it is pronounced Samhain. I think I pronounced it incorrectly the first time. It's Samhain. The Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago, mostly in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, Scotland, and Northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st. This day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark cold winter a time of year that was often associated with human death Celts believed that on the night before the new year the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred and on the night of October 31st they celebrated Samhain when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead return to earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids or Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. For a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort during the long, dark winter. To commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes typically consisting of animal heads and skins and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. In Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that an eligible young woman named a hazelnut for each of her suitors. The nuts would then be tossed into the fireplace and the nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding, so the story went, represented the girl's future husband. By 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. In the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celts, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration 
of Samhain. The first was Ferelia, a day in late October where the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple and the incorporation of this celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing apples that is practiced today on Halloween. So Halloween does come to America. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in the colonial New England because the rigid Protestant belief systems there would not allow of it. Halloween was much more common in Maryland and the southern colonies. As the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians meshed, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations, the first celebrations included play parties, which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, dance, and sing. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. By the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivals were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. So, did you know, we avoid crossing paths with black cats, afraid that they might bring us bad luck. So where did this come from? This idea has its roots in the Middle Ages, when many people believed that witches avoided detection by turning themselves into black cats. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. These new immigrants, especially the millions of Irish fleeing the Irish potato famine, helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. Borrowing from European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house, asking for food or money a practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat tradition. Did you know? More people are buying costumes for their pets. Americans spend $490 million on costumes for their pets in 2019. And that's more than double what they had spent in 2010. In the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks, or witchcraft. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. Parties focused on games, 
foods of the seasons, and festive costumes. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. By the 1920s and 30s, Halloween had become a secular but community-centered holiday with parades and town-wide Halloween parties as the featured entertainment. Despite the best efforts of many schools and communities, vandalism began to plague some celebrations in many communities during this time. However, by the 50s, town leaders had successfully limited vandalism and Halloween had evolved into a holiday directed mainly at the young. Due to the high numbers of children during the 50s baby boom, parties moved from town civic centers into the classroom or home where they could be more easily accommodated. Between 1920 and 1950, the centuries-old practice of trick-or-treating was also revived. Trick-or-treating was a relatively inexpensive way for an entire community to share the Halloween celebration. In theory, families could also prevent tricks being played on them by providing the neighborhood children with small treats. Thus, a new American tradition was born, and it's continued to grow. Today, Americans spend an estimated $6 billion annually on Halloween, making it the country's second largest commercial holiday only after Christmas. So you went through a little bit of a trick hearing all the history of Halloween. And after all, petrifaction is about horror stories, not history. Although history is quite fun, I think. So I have a treat for you as well. Thank you for holding out to the end of the history lesson. This is the story of Sonny Bean. The, the story of Sonny Bean and his family of cannibals and murderers has been told to spook Scotland's children for hundreds of years, but many believe that the story is more than just a myth. Alexander Sonny Bean, the story goes, led a 48-member clan, a product of incest and continued breeding within the family. In the 15th or 16th century Scotland, that was responsible for murdering and eating more than a thousand people. After running away from his ditch digger father, Bean camped out in a cave with a female companion and the two went undiscovered for more than 25 years. The clan would leave the cave at night and bring individuals or small groups back to their home where they would be dismembered and eaten. Residents of nearby towns reportedly found body parts occasionally that would wash up on shore. One night, the beans met their match. 
when they tried to capture a man skilled in combat, he fought back long enough that others heard the commotion and gathered around. The Bean clan fled, but a search party was soon organized to find their hideout. After being captured, the clan members were taken to Tallbooth Jail in Edinburgh and then transferred before being executed without trial. And just one or two and possibly maybe even three short stories about the very scary. <laughs> just in time for Halloween. When the Ammons family moved into a new home in 2012, they soon got an ominous sign. Swarms of flies plagued them even though it was the dead of winter. One day one of the three children began to scream and her mother, LaToya, ran into the room to find her daughter allegedly levitating. After that, things went from bad to worse. Her three children would smile evilly. They'd have bulging eyes and two wide grins. Allegedly, at least once, her son bent over backward and climbed up a wall to the ceiling. LaToya reported seeing strange white shadows around the house and hearing unexplained footsteps. The police came to take the children away, suspecting that these stories were a cover for abuse. However, authorities witnessed the bizarre event themselves and corroborated the family's stories. The family moved out of the house and underwent several exorcisms, eventually returning to normal. Now, most people know of a few cases of demonic possession depicted in films, but most of us don't know the stories behind them. For example, you have probably heard of The Exorcist, but what about the film's real-life inspiration? Robbie Mannheim, sometimes referred to as Roland Doe. In the 30s, when Robbie was 13 years old, he made the regrettable decision to attempt to contact his deceased aunt, while using a Ouija board. Not long after that, his family started experiencing frightening occurrences. Furniture in the house would move without explanation. Religious art on the walls vibrated when Robbie walked past. Robbie's classmates even reported seeing his desk sudden, suddenly fly across the classroom. Priests agreed to perform a series of exorcisms on Robbie. The rituals ended up being violent and terrifying. Throughout the process, Robbie exhibited superhuman strength that he used to attack the priests. Eventually, one of the exorcisms successfully expelled the demon possessing the young boy. 
One of the most shocking aspects of the case of a girl, known only as Julia, is that she was not diagnosed with possession by a priest. Rather, it was a psychiatrist that began to believe something supernatural was afoot. Dr. Richard E. Gallagher claims that his patient would go into trances, during which time she would levitate in front of him and speak in voices that were certainly not her own. She knew secrets about others that she had no way of knowing and would spew hateful rants. During one session, a demonic voice told the doctor to leave the girl alone because she belonged to it. After this, Julia was set to undergo exorcism. During the exorcisms, Julia repulsed the holy water thrown at her, causing the room to grow unbearably hot. It's believed that she was eventually freed from the demon gripping her. that's all the time we have today for our bonus episode. I hope that you'll come back in a few days for more stories of the horror kind because of petrifaction. The stories don't end just because, just because Halloween does. I do want to wish each and every one of you a happy and safe Halloween. May your treats be many and your tricks be few. Be petrified friends and we'll be back again for our regular show on Tuesday with Dogmen Encounters. <laughs>